y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 46. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify, and also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And I just want to give a shout out to a couple of people on Instagram, Nikolai Khan, Gray Matter B-Box, Joanna Beth P. Dot, Real New Yorker, Taylor Longenberger, Fawn Photos, Eat, Pray, Slay, Yotoko Music, and all the other people that are supporting this podcast through all these episodes. And don't forget my Big Cartel page. It's CortezNYC.BigCartel.com Got pins and stickers and posters available. Let's get on with this. Alright, yo quiero, yo quiero dinero. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode is about valuing your art, uh, how to set a price to your art, and um, hopefully how to find people that see that value in your art because as an artist you want to survive doing your art and you hope to find people that want to see you survive doing yeah. your art and you need to learn how to value your own art so then people can actually buy you art <laughs> exactly and 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 you want to find you want to find people who find the value in your art not behind your back not people who are going to exploit your art exactly. that's the other problem exactly. and i think that's why this episode probably will come up with a, a few good points and a few good things to think about is there's a difference between finding a price for your art mm -hmm. and finding value in your art and finding people that think that, th that your art is valuable and then finding people that want to exploit your art, your art and make more money off of the art yeah. and they don't really care whether you survive off of it or not true um all right but in the vein of that uh this topic uh, I want to talk about some of the things that we've been doing this past couple of weeks. We've been we've been on hiatus. We took like two weeks off. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, we got kind of busy, and and you know, life just got in front of things. But um, a few interesting things that we did that we can share with you guys. Um, one of them was uh, the opening of the Five Points curated, curated by Marie of Five Points, um, Mosa Bowery. Yes, the Museum of Street Art. Yeah, M-O-S-A. So the Mosa Bowery is um, a 20-floor art exhibit mm -hmm. uh, located within the hotel called Citizen M uh, down in the Bowery in Manhattan. Uh, it's free. It's open to the public. Um, uh, daily it's open seven days a week, 10, 10 to 4, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m for self-guided tours and then I believe they're gonna have um, guided tours which is gonna be on a specific time after four. Right. But if you wanna find out more information about the Mosa Bowery, you can follow on Instagram. Yeah. At Mosa Bowery. And it's a great concept, it's a great project. The opening night was awesome. Oh yeah. Um, everybody was really happy, celebrating. And it was nice to see all the artists coming together and a lot of people supporting the artists and the art on those 20 floors. Yeah, I mean, and not to um, 
I don't want to I don't want to say too much like too much detail because I think one of the problems with these kind of things is uh, the more photos and the more things you see, the less of a surprise it is when True. you actually walk the True. floors. Um, I started thinking about that. I went to walk it today. Today was the opening, the, the open to the public day, yeah. you know, October 1st. And I walked it today and I realized like, yeah, I've already seen some of these photos online and I'm like, yeah, it, like it'd be nice to let people see it first, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but what I will t share with you guys is that every floor is different. Every artist had their own interpretation of what, you know, they felt, you know, the theme made sense for them. Because, yeah. um, you know, Marie gave everybody their their topics. You know, she had a certain set of topics. She was trying to build a story about yeah. the Bowery. Yeah. And but then she also gave us liberty. She said, hey, you know, here's some here's some images. Here's some concepts. Now you guys build off of this and, and make it your own incorporate your style mm -hmm. and i think you see that when you're walking through the floors you see everybody's style come through True. you know um especially if you guys you know out there if you get to walk it um i think if you know the artists and you know five points you'll recognize some of the styles some of the names um and i think it'll be kind of refreshing to see those old people from five points still mm -hmm. painting you know you know it's been a couple of years now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so that was really good. That was a great event. Shout out to Mears. Shout out to Marie. Uh, you guys go check it out. Um, Mosa Bowery. Um, then the other thing was we went and took a drive out to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania to Allentown. We went all the way out to Allentown. That was another yeah. trip we took. We went to the Allentown Arts Fest. Um, it was an outdoor... Uh, art activity art festival, right? yeah it was it had kiosks it had boots it yeah. had stages there was people playing music rock music country music folk music pop music um they had hip-hop they had djs mm -hmm. little kids break dancing <laughs> that was so funny um <laughs> and for the for the street artists they had um these wood panel um walls set up uh, so that we could rock out um, there was I, I don't know how many artists. What do you think? Maybe like maybe like 12? 10, 12. 10 to to fifteen. I like would ten say. to fifteen graffiti yeah. artists um, painting, you know, live while everybody's walking around. Yeah. Uh, the event, you know, I was invited by Max Mino, um, M A X M E A N O. Max Mino, find him on Instagram. Great guy. Got to meet him. Uh, finally. Uh, very talented and also great personality yeah uh so he helped organize i know at least at least the street art aspect of it he helped to organize and um it was great it was a great event really good turnout beautiful weather mm -hmm. i i the wall was pristine perfect condition to paint yeah. beautiful beautiful people all around like curious and talking and chatting so it was a great time yeah it was awesome to to talk to people that they were telling me, oh, this is the first time we see this. This is the first time we see graffiti. Right. And I was like, what? And trying to explain to them, well, this is a style, you know, it's not anymore um, recognized by being vandalism, but it's more a, a, a style of art, and it's art. Um, and then, you know, all together, talking to people around, people were very curious, and they just, they were happy to have that in their town. 
And because it was an art festival, it made sense for us to take, because people were selling stuff, there was vendors, it made sense for us to take the, the pins, the stickers, the posters. Yeah. So while I was painting, you were out there walking around. Yeah, you know. saying, hey, this is graffiti merchandise from the artist, <laughs> right here, Cortes NYC. And you sold a few items here and there. And yeah, that, yeah, was yeah. Good. Um, yeah, that was good. But it was also nice to find fans. There was a, a few people that, sh that popped up and... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, one of the guys, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, I know you, I heard that you did the, um, the J. Rue, the Damager video. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's great. I was yeah, like, that's really yeah. cool. And he was really excited, you know, to know that I was an artist that did that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, here, have, have, take, oh, take a sticker, take a sticker. You know, <laughs> like some of, some of the fans, you know, I feel like that's where I, I, you know, the business goes out the window. And I'm like, you know, that's, it's merchandise for people who really like either my art or the history behind what I'm doing. So, right, right, right. you know, there's a balance there. And I think that's the topic of this episode. You know, how do you value your art? Well, I also find value in the fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, for, to me, that there's a trade-off there somehow. Yeah. A value trade-off. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, those are the people that really will promote your art. Right. So you want them to, if they see the value already, without even trying to maybe buy you off, yeah. then why not um, reward it yeah. with giving them a little bit of you? And, and on the other, on the flip side of that, there's the people that will go there, want to take photos of you, exactly. want to be entertained by you for an hour, watching mm -hmm. you paint in the sun, in the hot sun, just watching and watching ask you ask you silly questions and whatever and then when you go oh i have this for sale oh no thank you i'm not interested oh, okay <laughs> all right I'll or or you offer something and then they want to take a little bit more it's like eh, right. well, you go, right. this is a little bit more expensive unity to pay for this one yeah yeah like you'll say like all right this right here this is you know this is two dollars $2. I don't have $2 right I now. I'm sorry. I don't have cash on me. <laughs> but they're standing right there watching. Oh my God. That was so infuriating. I don't have cash right now. Yeah. I had, well, another, I had another lady. Well, okay. Just to finish bragging. Whatever. Talking about this. I have another lady, right? She was with her daughter. And I showed the stickers. And the daughter was like, oh my god, I love this one. I want a sticker, I want a sticker, I want a sticker. And then I was like, I don't, I don't, no, nothing. I don't have cash on me. I don't have cash right now. I don't know. Right. I, I came to like, an oh arts festival. God. I came to a free arts festival to walk around. Yeah. Obviously, and I said, you, you I know said, that you come into a place with vendors and people. And I said, it's only one dollar. I don't have one dollar. Like, what crazy. the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, you know, well, the, that's part of valuing and, and pricing your art. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's hard, but you just, you have to find the people that really appreciate because that's the same thing that happened to me. I, I went to people that they were just watching just because they want to watch. Other people that they were were really interested and they wanted to to hear what I needed, what I wanted to explain about the artist and the art. Yeah. And at the end of the day, even if they didn't agree with everything that the artist was painting, because that was another thing. There, there's at least two pieces of the merchandise that there is controversial. Not everybody agrees with it, so they will say, "Well, I cannot buy this because I don't know. I don't believe in that. Whatever." But they'll bought something else. So I was like, oh, okay. So this person really appreciates art yeah, and, and, and wants to support some, someone that is sharing and, and to their be, art. And to be fair, there was also multiple situations where 
somebody would uh, would appreciate the art. They were they were there. They were watching. They were curious. They asked. And then when we popped up on them and said, oh, yeah, and, we, and look, go, go speak to my wife, Carla. She's got merchandise. They were like, oh, of course. Yeah, and they yeah. jumped on and they were like, of course, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take one or take two. That's what I'm saying. Is it depends on there the personality. There was a balance. You know, yeah. we're, it's just frustrating. The other side is just frustrating. But yeah, yes, yeah, there yeah. was a balance. <laughs> there were some people that were receptive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was the, uh, the Allentown Arts Fest. Uh, it was a, all in all a great time. Yeah, um, it was awesome. And... And then the next thing that I'll talk about is just um, in, in the part of trying to make money or trying to make connections or try to find value in your art. Uh, we're going to the, we signed up for the Patches and Pins Expo, which is going to be in New York City, October 13th in Manhattan. That's the Patches and Pins NY Expo, October 13th in New York City. So this is an event. It, it, you have to pay to get in. There's an entrance. I think it's like uh, $20. At the door or something, ten dollars ahead yeah, of time. Yeah, I thought it was ten dollars. Yeah, ten dollars ahead of time. If you, if you, so go, go, go online. Patches and Pins Expo. If you guys are interested, and in, if you're in the New York area, October thirteenth, go online to Patches and Pins, and buy a ticket early, so that way it only costs ten dollars to get in. Um, but I looked online and I found them to be interesting. It's a big event. It yeah. looks like a big event. Um, I've never been to an exclusively pins. pins kind of expo yeah. so i don't know what to make of it that sounded a little weird to me but okay i know that there's a pin community mm-hmm. i think it'd be interesting because i'm not so much about the pin community but i'm more about graffiti you know the graffiti yeah. and the art and all that and i think the pins that we made this this merchandise that i put together is is good i think it, it it'll be interesting to see it in that environment i'm sure there'll be people who will be curious yeah i i think it's a good um exposure to a different environment and to a different community. Yeah. But that we needed that because sometimes selling online can be difficult if you don't have people that are interested in your product more than the art. Right. Because I know that there's people interested in graffiti, but they might not be people interested in a pin, in a pin. with a graffiti piece. Exactly. So yeah. it, I think it's going to be good. I think they might be curious and maybe they haven't seen that. They haven't seen pins with graffiti on it, so right. that'll be that'll be cool. Yeah. All right. And so, speaking about pricing your artwork, so we were, we were just talking about these venues that we have been exposed to or exposing ourselves to to kind of find value in the art, right? Yeah. You, you need to make merchandise. You need to get something out there. You need to make some money back. Not everybody can afford a painting. Um, exactly. Shit, at the Allentown Arts Festival, the guy that came up and was like, hey, how much would you charge for this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm over there and I'm painting at the Arts Festival. I'm painting on the wood paneling and a guy comes up and he starts asking me how much would I charge to do that? There goes the, the topic of this of this uh, exactly. podcast, you know, right there on the fly. How much would you charge? Yeah. Like, give me a price right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just doing this because I'm painting. I'm contributing to the arts festival but i i you know i was i didn't have a price or a value in my mind i think if i would have set a price i might not have been painting so freely uh-huh mm-hmm. um because the minute the minute this conversation happened all of a sudden i started like rethinking what i was i was almost done thank god yeah if he yeah. would have come and talked to me early on it would have been a whole different the day would have been a disaster mm-hmm. it's a good thing it was towards the end when i was almost done mm-hmm. when he started asking me about money and, and the value of it 
Um, but it was interesting because when he said that, he was talking about what well, you do commissions, you know, how much would you charge to do something like this? And I was like, immediately I started thinking about how would I value that? And honestly, to avoid the whole problem, you know, right now I'm really focusing on my own art. So I really was honest with him. I said, look, honestly, right now I'm not even taking commissions. Yeah. I'm not really interested. in. I mean, if you were to hire me, you know, I'd probably I probably would drag my feet on it. I don't I don't think right now is a good time. So I'm sorry. And then he wanted to buy the thing that I was painting there, yeah. like on the on the spot. And I was like, all right, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> um, but if you're in that predicament and you have to put a value on it, mm-hmm. you know, immediately for me, my gut instinct mm-hmm. was what would I charge that would make me get up and go drive to wherever I got to drive to do the commission to spend a day. Right. You know, what would I, what value would I put on my energy to, to invest into that? Yeah. Um, and that is a very raw, general way to price things. I don't recommend it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to come up with a price that's going to really help anybody. No, because people, they want to, they want to see what are you going to paint and be very logical about it. Let's say, um, well, this is the space. Um, I'm gonna charge you, let's say, by square inch or right, whatever. Right, right, yeah. And I'm gonna charge you by the time that I'm gonna spend making it. Right. So what for the peop- for the person that is paying you to pay the art, it looks that way. Maybe people think more that way than your energy and your creativity. Yeah. On the on the wall and, or commission. And I always assume when somebody asks me for a commission, like oh, I want you to paint something like this in my basement or something, mm-hmm. I assume that they're gonna have an idea or something that I'm probably not gonna like. Yeah. Like that's my assumption already. Yeah, it's like I'm yeah. probably gonna have to also struggle with whatever yeah, concept you want me to paint. It's it's not that you're free to paint whatever you want, but it's somebody else's concept and right now everybody I mean not everybody, but a lot of people that are into kind of silly things i don't know <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i it depends also like so i had i remember that other commission that did recently that predator commission yeah that got my attention because the guy was doing i he explained to me that the concept behind why he wanted a predator commission you know he was collecting he's a collector of predator memorabilia you know merchandise yeah. and he had other graffiti artists do predator pieces yeah so then he was like hey i would love for you to contribute to that and i was like well that is really cool because you you have a theme to what you're doing it makes sense yeah and and i was that's when i started saying okay let me talk to you and let me try to figure out a price that would make sense that would work for me and probably work for his budget as well and that sentence right there is another part of valuing your art work for his budget right i i already made an allowance to understand this is not going to be a high budget because uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. I know it's it's a it's a private person with you know his own coming out of his own pocket. I already know that it's going to be a different budget and a different value system than if it was, you know, a company or yeah. a, or a gallery. Yeah, let's yeah, say, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So let's get into. It. I got a couple of lists here, real quick. I'll go through them quickly. Uh, how and some advice on how to how to price your work, right? And I think we just tapped on a few of them right now in this mm-hmm. convo but do's and don'ts of pricing your artwork um do research the prices of comparable artists i think that's important that's so good. for myself i would look at other street artists and yeah. kind of see what are they charging for the same type of project yeah if you're doing a project like hey come to my basement and paint something on a wall and whatever 
I, you know, I don't know if that's an exact comparable price to other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, on a canvas, yeah, you can you can do it for canvases or illustration. You can kind of find comparable prices. Prices, yeah. Um, don't don't undersell your work or yourself. Mm-hmm. Now that's hard. That is hard. That's hard because you don't want to undersell your work or you, but at the same time you want to make it affordable, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, you got nothing going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a tricky one. Don't undersell. Um, Keep the same price for your stu- for your studio and galleries. And then this is kind of talking more like fine art, but there you go. Um, do keep the same price for your studio and your galleries. So prices that you're charging for your artwork, keep them consistent, whether you're selling them on a website or you're selling them on your own. Yeah. Keep them, try to keep, keep them consistent with galleries. Now, if you don't, if you're not selling in galleries at all, mm-hmm. then it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. at that point. You're just starting. Yeah. But if you are selling in galleries and you started to set prices that are public in galleries, then you need to kind of stick to that even when you're doing it in private. Because the minute you start to create a bidding war and people start to realize that you're charging less outside of the gallery, they're going to start to try to lowball you. And then the gallery people are going to start to lowball you or you're going to ruin the, the gallery's chances of selling those higher prices. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a there's a way of getting, of getting your prices to go up. Mm-hmm. But when you start to bring your prices back down again, it gets weird. You know, your prices should always go up. Yeah. They should go up over the years and they should go up, obviously, in the scale of your pieces and in the in, in your maturity. But your prices should always be going up. Always. They should never go back down. And that's that's the tricky part. Um, don't let emotions get in the way. I was just talking about my situation right there. It's all emotion. Yeah. Somebody comes to me and says, what would you charge for that? And you want to hit me on the spot. You don't. You're not asking me for a quote. Right. You're not saying, "Hey, can you get back to me and like let me know? You know, here's my email. Let me know how much you would charge." No. Right. They want to know right there and then. Well, how much would you charge? <laughs> it's like, emotion. Well, <laughs> I'm painting right now. Exactly. It's not even done. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- those are those are the considerations. Other things that they're saying here on this list: um, size. You can price by size, and we were saying by square inch. You mm-hmm. could set a price of square inch, let's say uh, six dollars a square inch, or whatever your fee might be that you might think is is reasonable for you. Right, yeah. um, think about how intricate your work is. I mean, if your if your work is like abstract and it's just like big solid shapes and they're kind of wide areas, then every inch of your canvas might not be as valuable. Right. <laughs> I right, think. Right. Yeah. Than if every inch of your canvas is detailed. Detail. Yeah. So I don't know. Like you got to think about that. Um, your medium is another thing to think about. That was something that somebody was telling me. I was telling them. They, they asked me also, oh, how much would you have charged for that? You know, spray paint. Wood spray paint done in an art festival. I'm not going to charge millions because it's not done under controlled environment and it's it's done kind of like on raw material. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like in the middle of nowhere like it's not like it you know you gotta kind of think about the i think about the materials as well yeah yeah it's not no no it's true it's not gallery and even it's not gallery ready and even the quality of your paint is not the same as the one you might use if you know that this is something for a gallery and even the the taking care of the piece after it's done because usually when you do these kind of pieces you're not putting any type of protection after it's done so that it can last right you know it's yeah no so that that's why like you have to you have to also be realistic about the medium that yeah. you're working in 
Yeah. You know, obviously, if you do a watercolor, it's not going to cost as much yeah. as if you do an oil painting. A watercolor is not going to last as long. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, and it doesn't have it. It's not as protected, mm-hmm. you know, o- over the years. So, um, yeah, the medium is important on, on when you're setting your price. Um, the concept of not wanting to sell it is funny. I, I like that, but I don't really want to sell it. Common problems. That's so true. There's so many times that I'll have a piece that I really don't want to sell, so I'll put the price really high, and it usually works, and it scares people away. Yeah. At least at this stage in my life, you know, I haven't really, you know, that hasn't been a thing. But yeah, I know, I know that feeling where I don't, I want to keep a piece. I don't want to let it go. Um, and I think there's something to be said about holding on to pieces, but that's a different conversation. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess we can get into things like. If it's a commission, how much of it is your idea? How much? How much of? How much do the ideas cost? Yeah. You know, that's a whole different conversation. How much? How do you charge for your ideas? Somebody comes to you and says, "Do that thing that is your thing." Well, that thing costs money. It might right. be. It's not even by the square inch. It's the intellectual property that I'm selling to you now. Right. Yeah. I'm selling you something that's a great idea or a great visual that is unique, much different than me painting a landscape. Right. If I painted a little scenery or something, like an outdoor scene, is much different than me giving you a painting of like an original concept that I come up with. Yeah, yeah. That I'm known for. Yeah. So that's, you know, if you want me to paint your, your son's name in your bedroom, <laughs> that's totally different. You uh-huh. know? Um, the, the, other, the other thing here, it's being charging by the hour uh-huh. is the other thing. That's, yeah. I think that's the last thing. Um, we're giving different scenarios, fine art and mural art and that kind of stuff. But charging by the hour is another way to come up with a rate. I think charging by the hour is a little tough and, and that's harder to come up with a good price because people usually think of charging by the hour like if you're working at a store or something mm-hmm. like, you know, working. Yeah. You know, they, they usually think about it like minimum wage and that, things like that. And when you come up with a, with a real price that's the real value of your art, you know, they, they break it down by the hour and they're like, no way, I'm not gonna pay you an artist this much to do that by the hour, blah, blah, blah. But um, that's when you realize what they're looking for. They're just looking for some sort of commercial thing just to get it done. They're not looking for you as an artist, you know. And I think that's where your value has to play in, and your your know-how or your name, your your credibility comes into play. And that's you're charging for that as well. If you mm-hmm. if you're charging by the hour, you're not gonna like what you're. You know, you're, you start charging by the hour, you start charging by supplies, and the rate is gonna be really low. Yeah. Um. So I I think. For example, for me, I've done commercial work mm-hmm. where I've charged by the hour. Um, and it's been simple projects, things where I had I didn't have to think. You know, I just I was getting work for them yeah. done. An yeah. idea that they had done. Yeah. And it worked out fine. For the most part, if I had commercial work, I would work I would charge by the project and I would evaluate the entire project and come up with a price that is that that would make me feel comfortable for the completeness of the project and where that project was going to travel. So if a corporation came to me and said, I want a logo, it's different than an independent person saying, hey, I want a logo for my small company. Mm-hmm. You know, if a corporation comes and asks me for a logo, it's going to take me the same amount of time, yeah. the same materials as yeah. the other person would. Yeah. So by me charging by the hour for a company, a corporation makes no, no sense. Yeah, no, it has to be a case by case basis has to be case by case and when it comes to commercial work you do have to think about the commercial usage yeah exactly you know if it's a commercial project you think about the commercial usage if it's an independent fine art 
piece, mm -hmm. then you can put your credibility, your name behind it, and in your personal value to it. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, the pieces are priceless, and you don't want to sell them. Sometimes your, your pieces are so priceless that the statement is more important. Culture talk. Culture talk. Yes. Yo quiero, yo quiero dinero. So this culture talk, what are we talking about this culture talk, Carla? We're talking about pricing and value and money. Yeah, and we're going to talk about J-Lo. <laughs> the most valuable, the most... Actually, she is. She's like the highest paid, blah, 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 blah. Latin uh, performer, Latin Latina performer in the United States. Wow. And I'm going to tell you her worth in a minute. But... Um, yeah, we wanted to talk about J-Lo because she has this song with Cardi B that is Yo Quiero Dinero and it goes perfect with the episode. But also because I feel that J-Lo, she made a comeback a couple of years ago and I feel like this part of their career has been even more influential than ever, I think. I don't know if you see it that way. Because I do remember when I was going... And I'm gonna go through this um, on this part of the episode, but when I was going through her career as an actress, dancer, singer, I forgot about a lot of things that she did. And I, I maybe because I didn't know at the moment, I didn't realize that they were so big. She became the first um, woman, first Latina to accomplish a lot of things that nobody did before. But now, I, I think that because of social media, um, the internet, and everything else, we have more knowledge of her. I think so. And also because she now she's like a, a sex symbol. and, and uh, She's always been a sex symbol. I think she's more of an icon though now. But now it's an icon, yeah. She's like, an icon, and, and I think also now we have the history behind her. Maybe, maybe she doesn't have... Maybe she stands out as, as unique, where before she was kind of blending into a lot of different it's, people yeah. that were doing the same kind of stuff. Now, because she's older, she's like, all women strive to be yeah. like J-Lo, yeah. I feel. Yeah. It or, became or at least goals. Yeah, or at, least, <laughs> or at least performance. I mean, back then, there was so many singer, dancer, choreographed type of artists, like dance, pop artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she kind of blended in a lot with that. Mm -hmm. um, now the difference is, yeah, now she's the the grown woman who's doesn't have to be doing this because I'm sure she has a ton of money. She doesn't yeah. need to do this. But she's still. But she's still doing it. She's still it. rocking stages and still doing choreography. Her singing is what it is. You know, it's not yeah. anything out of the ordinary. But but you know, she's still performing and and putting on a show. Yeah. Entertaining, and I think that's what people are reacting to. And I think maybe new generations can see her and say, wow, you know, who's this lady? I, I'm really curious what, like, like a 15-year-old probably thinks of Think her. About like, her. who's never heard of her, never seen her before. Mm -hmm. or, and it's like, who's this lady and why is she doing all this stuff? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, well... I, agree. I kind of agree with you. I think also, 
I think also like she's more of a world artist now, mm-hmm. a global artist. Yeah. Which I think is also different. Yeah, when she started, it was more local. She was a local Jenny from the block, you know, York. from the Bronx and all this stuff. And then she was trying to do that, Latina, you know, Latina, yeah, slash English, slash Spanish. And I think now she's more like globally known and true. she's more like global icon. So I think that also makes it a different impression. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So JLo started her career in 1991 as a fly girl dancer on Living Color. I remember that. And then she continued to dance with different artists and singers, but there was a point where she wanted to do her own thing. So in 1993, she decided to start going for auditions and castings for movies. And that was from when in 1997, she got her first leading role in Selena, the movie. Before this, in '97. In '97, that so, was only like six years of a span. Like that was wow. That's fast. From '93 to '97, she was doing different things. Right, right, right. Maybe like small roles in TV and I, stuff like that. I don't know. It just, in my head, I just remember it being a longer period of time yeah. before she became an actress. But wow. Yeah, and then in '97 she got the the role in Selena, which for that role she received a Golden Globe nomination. And she also became the first Latin actress to earn over one million for a film. Wow. Which that's impressive. You I mean that film even now there's still people that they they adore the film, they watch it every single day. So that's that's great. That was impressive. For her first leading role as well. It's just an icon. And then after that, she did um, Anaconda, she did Out of Sight, and she established herself as the highest paid Latin actress in Hollywood by that time. And that was in 1998, which she started in 1997 with Selena. In 1998, she was already established as the highest paid Latin actress in Hollywood. That, that makes me feel like she either got a great manager yeah got connected right away yeah. like to make those leaps so quickly yeah because selena was a key role for her yeah selena was the open door for her whole future um so then um in 1999 was when she started to experiment with music and she um threw out her first album which was called on the six and that's when we started to see more about J-Lo, the singer. It's, that's crazy. I, I don't know why in my head I had this whole thing of J-Lo as a singer. Before being an actress? Yeah, way before all of that. Yeah. In my head, I had it like... Me too. Like she was a fly girl dancing and then she started singing. Me too. And then she got her, her performing, you know, career going on. And yeah, I, I'm looking right here and it says... 1999 yeah it was her first album yeah and her her uh first leading role which was selena 1997 that's crazy so that's what i'm saying that that movie was the opening door yeah that launched her and then and then after that maybe people were like well what else can you do right well let's try this let's try that because now that you have become you're kind of like the the first step for every other Latina that comes after you. Right. 
So let's see what else can you do. So that's when she um, la uh, released her first album. Then her second album was in 2001, which was at the same time that she released a romantic comedy movie. And she became the first woman to have number one album and film on the same week. So that year of 2001, she released the second album and the movie The Wedding Planner. And for both of them, she became number one. Same week of the release. See, I don't know why that album from 2001, yeah. I imagined it in the 90s. Mm. In my brain. Mm -hmm. My brain, my memory had it like this happened in the 90s. Yeah. That shit happened in 2001. 2001. That happened in the 2000s. I can't believe it. Yeah. Because that was her album. That was the album that really made that, her popular mm -hmm. was because she started crossing over with hip-hop artists. I think back then she was dating P Puff Daddy during that same time period. And she had, you know, songs that were like, kind of like street, they gave her her street credibility. Exactly. 2001. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I had I have her career totally <laughs> mixed in my head. That's what I'm saying. I feel like some well, I feel like talking about J Lo, some people they might not give her the credit that she deserves. Right. Um, that they feel that she's just a pretty body and that's it. And she's very accomplished. She has done a lot. Well, for her to go from that to where she is now. Yeah. Where now there's no like There's no separation between her being an actress and her being a singer. Now, that's why she's an icon. She she does it all, mm. and now she's still... When she hits a stage and she does an, or she does a new song or a new album, mm -hmm. you're looking at her like like, a, like, an, like an icon. Like, you're yeah. looking beyond, yeah. you know, are you a singer? Are you a dancer? Are you a performer? Yeah. Like, what are you? Exactly. Are you, exactly. Are you an actress? Like, there's no doubt anymore. So, yeah. It, yeah, when she comes out with something now, it's it's probably not even that good, and you're still going to be like, wow. It's yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So, then after that, in 2002, she released J to the L.O., the remixes, and this became the first in history to debut number one in the U.S. Billboard 200. Wow. Yeah. That, that was the album that made her, that made her, like, give her street cred, you know? I think at that time, she was dating Puff Daddy, and it was like... She was, they were doing like cross crossovers with hip hop artists with her. I think the whole album was that kind of vibe where it was like her singing and then there would be a, a hip hop artist. Mm. And then another song with a different That's hip hop the, artist. the remixes. Yeah, I think she had one with Fat Joe, she had mm -hmm. one with uh, Ja Rule, she had one with, you know, yeah, every yeah. single person took a turn. Yeah, that was a good album because it gave her also um, the exposure, everybody to, to get to know her. And then she released an album in Spanish which was called Como Ama Una Mujer. What? Or How a Woman Loves. Um, I believe this was in 2007. And it became the highest first week sales for a debut Spanish album in the United States. Wow. Which that's crazy. I cannot believe that that album became exactly the highest first week because um, after they released that album, some people were telling her, I, "I think you should really go back to singing in English because in Spanish uh, it's not that good," um, according to the information online, right? Right. But um, yeah, which I think is pretty accurate. Yeah, I think so too. But um, it. It's incredible to know that 
if, if it went so far, right? And then she took a break from 2007 to 2011. When in 2011, then she returned as a judge in the American Idol um, TV show. And from there, she continued. In 2016, she was part of the TV show Shades of Blue and was when she started her residency, Jennifer Lopez, All I Have, at Vegas, at Las Vegas. That's the one that she has, I think it's still going on. Maybe this year might be her last show at Las Vegas. But that's an awesome show. It's a show that Mariah Carey had before to have a residency there in Vegas. It's, it's um, another accomplishment that make her get make her more of an icon. Yeah. Because icons are the ones that make those type of shows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's. I think that's an accomplishment in itself. Some, some artists go to Vegas to die. They retire in Vegas. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, Vegas has that has two sides. You, you're either you were the hot band, you mm -hmm. were a hot rock band, and now you have a residency in Vegas, or you're playing Vegas, and like you're like a bunch of old guys on a stage that nobody even cares about anymore, and they just go because your name is big. Yeah. Or, or people think it'd be funny to go see you now that you're old. Yeah. And then you have that other side where you have people who are show busy. That's their style, is that that flashy, showbiz, yeah. you know, concert, Tropicana performance type of exactly. look. That's her. So yeah. that makes sense for her. For her, it's the rise up to Vegas. It's not the decline into Vegas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then other facts about J-Lo, her cumulative film growth is $2.9 billion. Wow. Her global sales um, goes up. 80 million records and she's known as the most influential Latin performer in the United States it's crazy it is crazy it's crazy to think that mm -hmm. she, that I mean but she went she's gone the, I, I maybe we should do an episode about Rick, Ricky Martin but yeah I wonder how much Ricky Martin's worth yeah because she's gone that route and what Ricky Martin doesn't have he doesn't have an acting career career and what she does have is is everything she's yeah. got one foot in everything I, th I think that's why she's the most influential and that her her worth is so much I mean Ricky Martin is not doing makeup ads exactly no. he's not doing shampoo ads no <laughs> <laughs> or right now he's not even in any TV show or anything exactly. like that because now J-Lo is in another TV show as a judge that is about dance the best the world's dance something wow um, so she's still working <laughs> that's crazy so, so her name keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah. by the day yeah yeah and as long as as long as she at least stays somewhat physical yeah i'm curious what's gonna happen when she stops being physical i don't Maybe think that's gonna happen eventually she's gonna have to and i just i'm 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 here to watch that i'm here to, <laughs> i'm waiting to watch the day when a 70 year old j-lo can't do it anymore i actually watched uh, an interview 
of a Puerto Rican songwriter that met JLo and that have shared moments with JLo and she said that she is so strict with her food and with her eating habits. She's always taking care of herself. She drinks a lot of water. She, she doesn't um, drink alcohol and that she tries to take care of herself. Hmm. And it's that strict because she knows that she has so much to do. That's true. And that she has to work so much that she no se puede dar el lujo. She cannot uh, have the luxury to, you know, indulge just, in all these things. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, they showed her the other day on the news. She was flexing. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I they had her on the photos, news. Yeah, yeah they, they had her on the news. They revealed some photos of her flexing and they were showing her biceps and her, uh -huh. her shoulders. Amazing biceps, but bigger than mine. <laughs> I mean, it's she it's looks great. Yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah, you know. So I will. Hey, more more power to her. Kudos to her. Even if I J Lo, your goals. Yeah, I have to start working on getting like J Lo oh night right God. now. <laughs> I have forty years. No, I have twenty years to accomplish my dream body. Is J Lo's body. <laughs> Nah, I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I never really liked her music. There's like one or two songs that I, I was like, all right, it's cool. But it was mostly the ones that were mixed with, with the hip-hopper. Hip yeah, yeah hip-hop artists, like the, the rappers. Like that, that's most of my exposure. You know, I never saw Selena until now. And, uh, I, and, well. and now I saw because of you and I saw maybe little pieces of it. Yeah. I didn't even see the whole movie yet. Well, while I was um, looking for this information, I was... I actually saw some songs of J-Lo and I was like, oh my God, I remember this song. We used it for that field day for that, <laughs> for that dance. And uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's, I mean, it's, it wasn't the best, but at the time, uh, for me that I'm a little bit younger, it was kind of like hype. It was a hype. And what, there's that and then there's also like the demographic. Exactly. It's a whole different demographic. All girls, they wanted to be J-Lo, dance with the little uh, cane, el bastón que ella tenía en un video. <laughs> oh, that's cool? Dancing yeah, with the cane? Yeah, no, there, there was a, a, a music video. She yeah. was with the cane and the little hat. All, all girls wanted to do that. Wow. I was at talent shows and field days, <laughs> dances all day. <laughs> Damn. Well, all right. Kudos to J-Lo. Yes. Thank you, J-Lo, for making us proud. Oh, my God. <laughs> Keep doing your thing and putting the Latinos in the highest standard. Yeah, and picking up <laughs> Cardi B and all the other people, right? <laughs> DJ Khaled. Yeah. You wanted me to teach you, right? Hablando español, Carla. Hablando español. Okay, how you say project? Project, proyecto. Yes. How do you say dancer? Dancer is... Uh, wow, we haven't done this in a while. My brain is totally asleep. Dancer is... Bailador. Yeah. No es bailador? Or, or bailarina. Bailarina is... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Bailarina makes me think more of a ballet dancer, but... Yeah, but... All right, bailarina, bailador. Bailarina, bailador, o bailadora puede ser también. Bailadora, okay. Okay, uh, how do you say actress? 
actress is actriz. Yes. How do you say influential? Wow, that's a good one. Influential is in... Inflador. In... Influent... Shit. All right, you got me. That's a good one. Okay. Influential is influencial. Influencial. Okay, influye. Influye. Influencial. Influencial. All right, you got me with that one. Influencial. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, next one is pricing. How do you say pricing? Pricing. Apreciar. That's appraisal, though. I think we did this one already. Did appraisal, we? apreciar. Pricing? Pricing. What's pricing? Pricing is to poner precio or precios. So pricing? Pricing, precios. No, I know that that's pri price is precio. Precio. Right. And... Uh, Pricing is precios, I guess. Okay. Precios. Or multiple prices. Precios. Yeah, multiple yeah. prices. Okay, I got you. Okay. Um, how do you say value? Value is valor. Yes. How do you say square inch? Square inch. Pulgada métrica? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, o, o pulgada. Dice pulgada cuadrada. Pulgu pulgada es, cuadrada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Pulgada, yeah, yeah, cuadrada. Cuadrada. pulgada cuadrada. Yep, that's it. All right. Pulgada cuadrada is square inch. Okay, so, and what do you have for me? Oh, I got so much for you. How do you say hotel? Hotel? Yeah. Hotel. Hotel. All right. How do you say museum? Uh, museum? Museo. Okay. I should be asking to you. How do you say grand opening? Gran apertura. What? Gr gran apertura? Gran apertura. That's what you say when you open up like a store for the first time or really? Apertura. Apertura. I've never heard that. Yeah. Gran no apertura. El, el gran abierto. Apertura. Wow, I've never used that. Yeah. Apertura is the word for opening. Grand opening. Gran apertura. Right, how do you say reception? Like if you're having an artist reception or a... Recepción. What if it's recepción? It's still recepción, like yeah. a recepción, yeah. So that Vamos a tener una recepción. Para el artista, a reception? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's easy enough. How do you say... How do you say staircase? So the, the, the Mosa Bowery exhibit is within the staircase of the Citizen M Hotel. Mm -hmm. So how do you say staircase? If I was going to say escaleras, 
Escaleras sounds like like ladders. But yeah. Is it escaleras? Or es escaleros? Is there a thing like a escalerón? Okay, so I looked that up because I wasn't sure. And it says... Staircase? <laughs> you know the literal translation? Caja de escaleras. Oh my God. That's Staircase so bad. is caja? It's not. The, that's Google. Google saying what? Ca la caja de escaleras. Like, <laughs> to have the Staircase escaleras in a, in, in a caja. Yeah. But I think that is what it says here. La escalinata. Escalinata. I haven't heard any of these things. Uh, wow. You heard escalinata? No, I guess I've I've, I guess I've used escaleras. If no, somebody yeah, says staircase, I say, oh, baja las escaleras. Because here it's also la escalera. Okay. Pero I feel like la escalera, if we're talking about escalera, it's only one. I don't know, like one floor or right. one thing. But then I think la escalinata, when I've heard escalinata, it's because it's a big thing of different steps. Of different, of different floors oh, and stuff? Oh. It's a, it's a it's a big stair uh, stair it's a big stair going down with a lot of steps going down so escalinata yeah, I think alright or escalera I'll take that So another episode in the bag. Yes. We gotta get back on track. Yeah. No more rest. Gotta... No more breaks. No. <laughs> gotta get back into this show. Yeah. Because you guys need us. And we're gonna leave you guys with a track that you recorded with my dad. Yes, this is Bailando. Juan M in the Kitalele and I'm singing. Catch you guys next time. Yo te miro y se me corta la respiración. Cuando tú me miras se me sube el corazón. Y en un silencio tu mirada dice mil palabras. La noche en la que te suplico que no salga el sol Bailando, bailando Tu cuerpo y el mío llenando el vacío Subiendo y bajando Bailando, bailando Ese fuego por dentro me va enloqueciendo Me va saturando Con tu física y tu química, también tu anatomía La cerveza y el tequila y tu boca con la mía Ya no puedo más, ya no puedo más Con esa melodía, tu color, tu fantasía Con tu filosofía, mi cabeza está vacía Ya no puedo más, ya no puedo más Yo quiero estar contigo, vivir contigo, bailar contigo Tener contigo una noche loca Ay, besar tu boca Yo quiero estar contigo, vivir contigo, bailar contigo Y tener contigo una noche loca Con tremenda nota Bailando, 
me llevas a otra dimensión Tus latidos aceleran a mi corazón Qué ironía del destino no poder tocarte Abrazarte y sentir la magia de tu olor Bailando, bailando Tu cuerpo y el mío llenando el vacío Subiendo y bajando Bailando, bailando Ese fuego por dentro me va enloqueciendo Me va saturando con tu física y tu química, también tu anatomía La cerveza y el tequila y tu boca con la mía Ya no puedo más, ya no puedo más Con esta melodía, tu color, tu fantasía Tu filosofía, mi cabeza está vacía Ya no puedo más, más Yo quiero estar contigo, vivir contigo Bailar contigo y tener contigo una noche Quiero estar contigo y vivir contigo